Would you uh, join me in prayer and pray for me that I may be uh, able to speak the word that God has given me, but also pray for yourselves. Pray that God opens your heart and that you will hear that that he has for you today. So, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we come to this moment in our service when the word of Jesus is explained, proclaimed, and taught. Father, I come to you with the fear of a preacher who just wants to be honest to you and with you. And so I pray that you would give me that that you want me to preach. And I also come, Father, in behalf of your people, that your Holy Spirit would inspire us to have an open ear and an open heart. And I just pray you would reveal yourself. Reveal yourself to us, to all of us, Lord. I submit myself to you and to your word and to your leading. I praise you, Father, and I give myself to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everyone. If you would... Uh, Open your Bibles, please, to the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. There are Bibles in front of you. I always continue to encourage you to bring your own Bibles as well. Also in, in the bulletins are the inserts with all of the lessons. And I also want to commend to you that in back of the bulletins, there are some blank pages that we have prepared for you all to take notes. As you think the Lord is saying something to you, that you would go ahead and, and jot it down. Write it down and then uh, think about it later on and pray about it as well. So we, we prepare everything you possibly could, could need. And so let us then go to the word of the Lord. Diane read the, uh, the gospel today, the words of Jesus, uh, primarily to his 12 disciples, but also to us. And the context of what was read today as that portion of scripture that we want to focus on, that context is the sending of Jesus' disciples out for the very first time. This is the first time that the disciples are being sent out to do ministry. I, th I think that is essential that we understand it. Prior to this, Jesus has pretty much done everything. He goes up a mountain and he preaches the most ethical and the greatest sermon that anyone could ever have preached in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus casts out the demons. Jesus leads people. 
teaches the disciples everything is being done by Jesus. And this is the very first time that Jesus empowers them to go out. And I want to remind you that they are in the area of Galilee, north of Judea. That's where that local ministry of Jesus is being done. And I think it's important we understand that because that's where they're being sent. They're being sent to the cities and towns and villages in the area of Galilee. One of the things that is very important to understand is that up to this point, Jesus has been kind of a one-man show, a one-man ministry, a one-man preacher, a one-man doer, a one-man healer. But one of the things I find of interest is that when Jesus, the more Jesus ministers, the more people show up to get more ministry. Amen? So the more that people hear that Jesus is healing, the more people they bring for him to heal. The more people that hear him and tell others, the more people that come because they want to see this guy who's claiming to be Messiah, Son of God. And so Jesus sees the growth in the multitudes that are coming to him. And one of the things that blesses me is that Jesus realizes that the ministry is not a one-man person or a one-man show, a one-man ministry. And what he does is he, for the first time, sends out the disciples two by two. In other words, he multiplies the number of teams doing ministry. Actually, he multiplies it by six if not by 12. Jesus has been the one doing everything and they watch. Now Jesus is saying, now I'm going to send you and I'm going to empower you to do the things you've heard me say, the things you've seen me do. Now I'm going to empower you to do it. And if I go to this town and you go to that town and you go to that town, a whole lot more ministry is being done. And I love that because we get accustomed that the ministry is done by the pastor. We, we sometimes have that idea. Father Jose has to do everything. Everything falls on his shoulder. If there's one person sick, it's Father Jose who has to go and pray for them. If there's one person in need, it's Father Jose who has to go. I think it's important that you know that I can only minister to a small group of people. But if we all went out two by twos, three by threes, four by fours, we're going to minister to an enormous number of people that one person alone cannot do. And one of the things that blesses me about this passage is the recognition of Jesus, the Son of God, that he needs to multiply the number of teams because the needs are so great out there. And I think it's important that you recognize it as well, that you are a minister of Jesus Christ, whether I'm there or I'm not. That Jesus empowers you and calls you and positions you in places where you are needed to do his work. The reality is that you will never minister to the people I will minister to. But I also will not minister to the people you can minister to. You have friends and family and co-workers that I will never meet. 
I'll never have a chance to share the gospel with them. I'll never have those opportunities. But neither will you be able to minister to somebody else in the church. Or the surroundings, the people that that person knows. But if we all go and we all share with those that we are put in contact with, the numbers of people that we minister to is, is grown in tremendous ways. And that's one of the things that blesses me about this passage. But I want to teach you and I want to show you a couple more things. Again, the context of, the, of what we just read as the gospel today is Jesus sending out uh, teams of his disciples out to do ministry for the very first time. And he empowers them for the kind of things that they're, he's asking them to do and they will be asked to do. But before we actually get into this passage, it's important that we take a step back and see how it all develops beginning with the end of chapter 9. Let me read to you and you can see it up in the screen. It says, then Jesus, this is chapter 9, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. There's two things that blesses me out of this, which I think it's important. One is that Jesus sees the multitudes Jesus recognizes the needs, and he calls his disciples to pray, right? And that's what we all should be doing. He calls his disciples to pray so that the owner of the vineyard, that is God, would send more laborers because the harvest is so plentiful. And so the prayer is, he says to his disciples, pray that the Father will send more laborers. But you know what he does? Then he sends them. He doesn't say, pray for somebody else to go. The moment he says, pray that the Father will send more laborers, he says, let's begin with you 12. And for the first time, the 12 are listed by name there on chapter 10. And then he sends them out and tells them how they are to go and what they are to take and what they are to do. And then he gives them the empowerment to do the same kinds of things that he had been doing all through Galilee. Pray, but then you too must go. It's not pray and send somebody else. It's pray that the Lord will multiply the laborers 
but that you realize that you are part of the labor group of the kingdom of God. That you are it. You are the beginning seedlings of whatever is going to occur in the kingdom of God. And I, I love that. I love that the idea is not send somebody else. Let me pray for somebody else to say, I will go. Yes, but then he sends the 12. The other thing that, that blessed me, especially as I was studying this passage uh, to preach today, is that Jesus, it says that Jesus sees the multitude of people, the multitudes of people that are just gathering to the point where he sometimes can't even sleep. Sometimes they won't even let him uh, eat. They won't let him even pray at times. He has to get up very early to get his praying done because the people are at the doors constantly knocking and constantly seeking for more of what Jesus can do for them. And as Jesus looks at the multitude, he looks at a, at a people suffering from numerous conditions. Among them were abandonment. Abandonment, a, a sense of loneliness, a sense of being alone, a sense of not having direction in their lives. Not having direction. The Bible says that they are weary. They are tired. They are tired of looking for answers in a world that doesn't give you answers. Not all the time. They are weary they are scattered. They're suffering from demon possessions or demons' oppressions, involvement of evil spirits in people's lives. And they're also suffering from different diseases. And I was blessed. I was blessed, and the Lord kind of taught me this because what Jesus does is he looks at the people and he recognizes all these different maladies and all these different pains that people are suffering and they're like a chicken with a head cut out just just tossing back and forth without anyone to guide them without anyone to lead them they don't trust their leaders sometimes. Sometimes leaders are not very good. And so they're weary, tired, with family problems, not knowing where to go for help. Demon possessions, demon oppressions, demon influences, diseases and pain among the people. And Jesus calls them sheep without a shepherd. He, he says he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. They're all alone. They feel alone. They don't have someone guiding them, protecting them, helping them, teaching them. They, he calls them sheep without a shepherd. And, and the thing that blessed me is that normally a shepherd... A shepherd would not send sheep to live among the wolves. It is the job of the shepherd to protect the sheep from the wolves. And the thing that blessed me, listen to this, is that Jesus sends sheep with shepherd to the sheep without shepherd. 
The twelve disciples are sheep who have a shepherd. Who have someone to guide them. Who has someone to pray for them. To have someone to lead them to the Father. Who have someone to heal their problems and their diseases. Who have someone. And yet he looks at the others and says, They're sheep without shepherd. But he sends sheep with the good shepherd to minister to sheep without a shepherd. And the thing that blessed me, as I said before, is that normally the shepherd would not send the sheep to be among the wolves. And yet Jesus sends the sheep with a shepherd to go among the wolves. To go among the wolves. Because that is the case. That's what he's doing with the 12 disciples. And in a way, that's what he's doing with us. He is sending us to minister among wolves. Because the world is also filled with wolves who could care less about God or about the kingdom. And they're just intent on bringing harm. It is to that world filled with wolves that Jesus is sending his disciples for the sake of the sheep without a shepherd. For the sake of the sheep without a shepherd. That the sheep with a shepherd may proclaim that there is one who can lead them to the love of God. That the sheep with the shepherd can lead them back to the one flock so that there is one shepherd, one flock, one God, one church, and that all people are welcome. The sheep with the shepherd are being sent to the sheep without shepherd, to the hurting world. And one of the things Jesus recognizes is that he's sending his disciples into danger. I mean, he spends a long time talking about the dangers of going to that world filled with wolves. He sends them to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He sends them to heal. He sends them to cast out demons. But in this process, he's also saying to them, you're going to be confronted by wolves. In fact, this is what he says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. I send you out, out as sheep in the midst of wolves. The image of a sheep, the image of a sheep is intended to convey innocence, vulnerability, good nature, good intentions, Godly purposes, trust in the shepherd of their souls. The image of a sheep, I don't want to say, some people say they're dumb. It's possible that they're dumb too. But I think that the image is of innocence. The image is of good nature, good character, good doers. The sheep don't harm the world. The sheep don't harm anyone else. The sheep are just that. Sheep that are good nature. And the image that Jesus gives of, of the sheep with, with a shepherd and the sheep without a shepherd is that that is the nature of the sheep. When we look at the nature 
of the wolves is everything that the sheep are not. The nature of the wolves is totally the opposite of what the nature of the sheep are. The, the, the image of a wolf is intended to convey a ravenous beast, a ferocious animal, evil, intent on killing the sheep. The wolves are not friends of the sheep. The wolves are the enemies of the sheep. The wolves feed on the sheep. And they're vulnerable. The nature of the, of the wolves is that they're cunning, bad-natured, with bad intentions and purposes is what I would say they are the sons and the followers of the devil, the flesh, and the world. And Jesus says that he's sending the sheep, the good-natured sheep, among ravenous beasts that are intent on destroying what God is building. The use of these two analogies, and I think it's important that the use of these two analogies where he uses sheep and wolves is intending to convey to us and to the disciples at that time that he's sending them into opposition. He's sending them into rejection. He's sending them into danger He's sending them into situations that would be very dangerous. And we all know how the disciples all died because of the world in which they were being sent to. Every one of the disciples died a martyr except for John. Every one of them was killed or beheaded or speared or burned or all kinds of things that were done to them. Jesus is very aware that as he sends his sheep with a shepherd, he's sending them into danger. He's sending them into conditions where martyrdom could be the result of that sending. Jesus is very aware because what we see here is the confrontation of the gospel with the unbelieving world. What we see is that Jesus is sending them to confront a world that will reject the gospel, that will reject and, and be offended by it, and, and Jesus is sending them into those times of dangers. He's sending them into an unbelieving world. And as you read the passage, it may even include family members, co-workers, neighbors. As you read the gospel, Jesus says that father will turn in sons and daughters. And sons and daughters will betray the father and the mother. And neighbors will do the same. And friends will betray friends. Because that is the nature of an unbelieving world. In opposition to the gospel and to the sheep that are being sent from the shepherd. Jesus is sending them to warfare. And it's not just spiritual warfare. Because the sick are sick physically, not just spiritually. 
And the demon possessed are demon possessed physically, not just spiritually. And the needs of the world are not just spiritual. They're also very, very physical because the spiritual world manifests itself so much in the physical arena. And Jesus is sending them to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to proclaim the entrance of the kingdom of God, to proclaim that there is a shepherd and a father who loves them. And Jesus is sending them very much aware that he's sending them into danger. In fact, we are told here, that they will be betrayed to councils. Those are local councils. Those are city councils. And it says that they will be betrayed to local councils and to their synagogues, and they will be scourged in the synagogues. Those are usually the council, the city councils, depending on the size of the, size of the city, is about 23 individuals who kind of serve as the city government. And whenever anyone crossed the established laws or offended the city in some way, they would be turned over to these local governors or governments, and they will then scourge them. They will beat them. But it goes beyond the local council because the next thing it says is that they will be turned over to governors and kings. So this persecution is not just local, it's going to be worldwide persecution that they were going to experience. And as I'm thinking of Jesus, I'm thinking how Jesus began to be martyred at the local council, the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, but eventually he was turned over to Herod, and from Herod he was turned over to Pilate, and Pilate in the name of the emperor ended up being the one that killed Jesus. But then isn't that the same thing that happened to Paul? Paul got in trouble with the Jews because he came to worship in the temple in Jerusalem at Passover. And he, they were going to kill him. And eventually the soldiers came in and rescued him. And then he appealed to Caesar and he went to Rome there to testify about Jesus and there to die. What begins sometimes in local persecutions may end up, in fact, in wider persecution. But one of the things that blessed me as I read the passage is that what man sometimes intends for evil, God uses for good, as he says in Joshua. Okay? Because what Jesus says to them is, when you go to the local councils and they turn you over to governors and kings, you will be my witnesses there. Those opportunities will come when you are brought before kings and when you are brought before governors. Then you will be given the opportunity to bear witness. And sometimes the greatest witness we can, we can offer sometimes includes suffering and martyrdom that the world may know that Jesus is not something we trade in, that Jesus is not something we walk with one day and not another, 
that we are willing to die for what we believe, that we are willing to sacrifice for what we believe, that we are willing to stand strong for what we believe, no matter what governments or councils or kings or any demon may say that we shall not do. The other thing that I think is important in this passage is that Jesus is not just presenting us with a time capsule where this is only going to happen to the disciples. In fact, this has been the lot of the church forever and ever, hasn't it? The suffering of the church, the church going to places where they will suffer, where things begin in local councils, and the persecution spreads worldwide at times. It happened during the time of Jesus. It happened during the centuries of the Christian church. And it's happening today all over the world. That believers are being persecuted all over the world. And many of them are suffering loss. And many of them are suffering their lives. And losing their lives. Because that seems to be the lot of the church that there will always be an opposition to the light by the darkness. But the darkness will never be able to overcome the light. It will hate it, and it will try to destroy it. And every messenger of God will always experience in one way or another some form of rejection. Because that is the lot of the good news in a bad news world. And the sheep are being sent to war. The sheep are being sent to battle. But I want to, I want to just uh, give you four things, and I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. The four things that we can learn out of this passage. The first one is simply the word go. The word go, I mean, Jesus is sending the 12 disciples as sheep among wolves. And I don't see any of the disciples saying, Lord, hold on, hold on, that's kind of dangerous, I don't want to do that. The disciples are saying, yes, sir, you send us as sheep among wolves, we are going, and we're going with the power that you are giving us. We're going with the preaching that you have taught us to do. We are growing, going with the prayers that you have taught us to pray. We are going. And, and we need to understand that when the shepherd of the sheep sends the sheep, the sheep go. They don't question, they don't argue, they don't say, I don't have time. When the shepherd sends the sheep, the sheep go. You see, this is a local commissioning service. And if we cannot go local, how will we do the great commission eventually at the end of, of, of Matthew? This is the local commissioning of Jesus to people that they know. These disciples have grown up in Galilee. These disciples are being sent to their families, their neighbors, the places that they have seen them fish, the places that they have seen them collect taxes, the places where some of these people play with them when they were little. He's sending them local. Go. 
Go and preach the gospel. Go and free those that are demon-possessed. Go and heal the sick. Because if you can't go local to the people that already know you and love you, how will you ever fulfill the great commission to go national, to go worldwide? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the local great commission until he sends them to the rest of the world. And the first thing that I can teach you out of this passage is that Jesus sends them and they go. And when Jesus sends you, when Jesus sends you, you cannot argue with Jesus. You need to say, Lord, to whom are you sending me? Show me. And I will go and I will do what you're asking me to do. The second thing that blessed me in the passage is how the sheep were to behave. And Jesus says that they were to be as wise as serpents. In other words, he's not sending us with, without a brain. He's sending us to be wise. He's sending us with a purpose. And, and he's using this idea of a serpent because a serpent is clever. It's prudent, careful, sensible. A serpent is not naive, wise. Use your brain. Know your enemy and how he operates. Protect yourself from his ravenous ways. Be on the defensive to the enemy's attack. You are going to be sheep among wolves, but I'm sending you wise as serpents. Think it through. Have a, a plan. Have a plan. Have a way. Know how you're going to do it and then execute it. Have a strategy. Think it through. When will you speak? How will you speak? What will you say? Be wise as a serpent. But then I was so blessed because he also says, be wise as a serpent, but be gentle or harmless as a dove. Be gentle and harmless as a dove. And the thing that blessed me is the realization that Jesus is saying, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves, but don't ever you become a wolf. Don't act like wolves. You are sheep. You are sheep. Be gentle as doves. Don't harm anyone like the sheep harm everyone. Don't do anything in your ministry that brings harm to another person. Be wise as a serpent in how they deal with you, but you be gentle and harmless as a dove as you will deal with them. Give them no chance that they may say that you're not of God, that you're not good. Don't do anything that makes you look like a wolf because you are not a wolf. You are a sheep with a shepherd with a mission. Behave in such a manner that you bring glory to your Father and you don't give room for the devil at any point to say, Aha, there you are. We are sheep, and in reference to how they treat us, we need to be wise as serpents. 
But in how we do our ministries, we need to be harmless as dove. The image of that dove is an image of love, of peace, of gentleness. We still do our ministry, but we fight with weapons that are not the weapons of the wolves. We fight with the weapons of the Spirit. We speak what we have to speak when we have to speak it, how we are to speak it, but we speak it with wisdom and with gentleness and with love and not with condemnation. We are not wolves. Don't you ever behave as wolves and say that you are following Jesus Christ because he was never a wolf or behave like a wolf. I send you as sheep among the wolves be wise as serpent, but harmless as a dove. And then the next thing that blessed me was that he, three times he says, and don't fear. Three times he says, you are not to be afraid ever in the mission. In fact, Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows." Three times Jesus reminds his disciples, I'm sending you among wolves, but do not ever fear. And then the other thing that blessed me, and he says that when you come to the councils or when you are taken to the governors and the kings and you are to testify, he says, don't worry about what you are to say or not say, because that moment... God will speak through his Holy Spirit and he will give you the words that you are to speak. In other words, you may be facing walls, but you're never going to be alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit will give you the heart, the mind, the soul, the courage, the stamina, the purpose to speak the name of God in such conviction and with such conviction that it will just flow because the Spirit will produce it in you. Do not ever be afraid or say, I won't go because I don't know what to say. Yes, you do. Jesus is Lord. That is the one message. How did he come into your life? What is your witness? What is the message? You're not being asked to invent a new sermon. Just repeat the sermons of Jesus. Just repeat the sermons of Jesus. There's nothing new beyond what Jesus has spoken about the kingdom. You hear me preach to you all the time. You don't feel you can preach like me? Fine, it doesn't matter. Take my sermons and give them to friends. Tell them where they can listen to it again. Just say, hey, my pastor said this on Sunday. What do you think? That may open the conversation. And then you tell them what you think. That's why we put them in the, in the website. That's why they are in the app. That's why they are everywhere. So that you can take people's sermons, and not just mine, anybody that preaches the gospel, pass on that sermon. You don't have to preach it, but you can pass it on. And the Word of God will continue to touch all other people. Be not afraid. God is going to give you what to say when you need to say it and to whom you need to say it. The Holy Spirit is active with the disciples in their ministry. But they were being sent to be 
witnesses. I mean, the situations may be dangerous, but the situation would make you a, a witness in difficult conditions. And then lastly, I just want to finish with these last words of Jesus, because I think they're the, probably some of the most important words. Jesus says that, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, I will deny him before my Father in heaven. Those are tremendous words. Those are tremendous words. Do you ever deny Jesus because you're afraid you're going to lose a friend? Do you ever deny Jesus or don't speak about Jesus? Or do you take every opportunity possible to confess Jesus? If you confess him, if you declare that he's your Lord, he will declare that you are his sheep. That you are his son, that you are his daughter, that you are his disciple. If you confess Jesus, he will confess you. If you deny Jesus, he will deny you. And to me, those are the most terrifying words you can possibly keep in your heart. God will put you in, in positions at times in your life, in your local surroundings, with your friends, with your neighbors, and he's going to say to you, now testify. And if you say no, you have to deal with the Lord. I think we're being sent into the world for the sake of the sheep without shepherd. And if, if we don't testify, how will they hear? How will they know? How will they come to the shepherd of their souls? If you and I are silent, what are we going to wait for? The stones to cry out? You and I are being sent. We are his sheep. We have a shepherd. And we have opportunities for ministry right in our back doors, in our backyards. They're all around us. But it requires that you and I say to ourselves, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm not going to be content just sitting on a pew and let somebody else preach. I'm not going to be content with just being entertained by wonderful music and, and a, a sermon. Enough is enough. Here I begin my ministry. Here is the moment in which God is sending me. It is time for the church to wake up because the world is going to hell. And we are here waiting for somebody else to go. Enough is enough. The time for comfort has come to an end. You need to decide that Jesus is sending you today. That Jesus is sending you today. That you are the sheep with the shepherd being sent to sheep who are hurting, who are suffering, who are looking for, for God, who are looking for the love of God, who are looking for forgiveness, who are looking for redemption, who are looking for peace. They're looking for peace and they don't know where to find it. 
and we are the sheep being sent to them. And enough is enough. You all have people you can minister to. Every single one of us. And I'm saying to you, go. Jesus is sending all of us as sheep among wolves. And he's telling us how to behave. Not like wolves, but like doves, but wise. But we're being sent out. And so now you have to make the decision if you are a sheep with a shepherd or whether you are a sheep without a shepherd. Because the shepherd knows you by name and you know his voice. And you know he's saying go. He's sending us. Nobody else. And that today, that's the message that I have in my heart for all of us. And what we need is courage, and what we need is perseverance, and what we need is a decision. A decision that enough is enough, and I'm going to be the man God has asked me to be. And I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go do what I need to do. No more comfort time. No more Sunday to Sunday ministry but 24-7 ministry to whomever God brings in our midst. You are the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You are the sheep of the shepherd. Go, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons, love as God has loved you. Go do it. Go do it for the sake of the shepherd and of the sheep that are hurting. Stand with me, please.